1: You're, You're listening so to fun and fun and such a, a Mamma Mia podcast.
2: This glorious mess,
1: little kids
0: like me.
2: Welcome to this glorious mess, little kids. My name is Lee Campbell. I'm one half of this podcast, and my child is addicted to bananas. Oh, how many bananas can a toddler eat safely?
0: Oh, well, do you know what? I feel like that's a good thing
2: Four a day. But- um
0: <laughs> does he actually eat four oh, a day? Yeah. Wow. And then
2: melts down when I say no more bananas. Wow. Who are you anyway? And then
0: tomorrow he won't want a bar of Oh them. no, bananas are his one <laughs> true love. <laughs> and I am Tegan Natali. And last weekend I left my husband home to babysit, quote oh. unquote, his children all weekend. And yes. it, was, it was a hoot. I thought you were just going to leave it as I left my husband. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> quote unquote. No, no, no. He babysat, you know, all weekend. And I had a great time. Not sure if he did, but... Did he survive? Well, yeah. What did Um, the house
2: look like when he got home?
0: You know what? I think he on purpose tried to be like, look, I can do this. I don't know what What you're going on about. about? And it was actually pretty spotless. I must admit, I think he had a moment where he's like, I've cleaned that area 7,000 times this weekend. So
2: Good. Good for him to learn. Yes. Well, this is This Glorious Mess, Little Kids, and today is a very exciting day. It's International Women's Day. Yes. And the theme for this year is Choose to Challenge. So to challenge the barriers that face women across the world. And someone that we think embodies this theme pretty perfectly is the co-founder of Mamma Mia, Mia Friedman, my boss. So Mia's going to come on the show in a little bit. And as you might know, she's a mother of three, and she has always been striving to raise feminists. So She's going to share with us everything she has learned, why it's important that men are part of the conversation, a huge part of the conversation. And from a young age, how we can go about raising little feminist sons. And then of course, Tegan and I will share our WTF moments of the week. But right now it's time for our Listener Dilemma.
0: Now it's time for Listener dilemmas. Yay! Best so this is our listener dilemma from Chantelle, and we received this via email. And Chantelle says, "Hello, I have a bit of a dilemma, and was hoping you could help me. My three-year-old daughter has been doing swimming lessons since she was six months old, but for the first time, she has to do them without me in the water. We're only two lessons in, but she has cried the whole time. I plan on at least finishing out the term, but I'm wondering what I should do by the end of the term if she's still crying during her lessons." On one hand, it's not fun for either of us, so why put her through it? But on the other hand, I don't think I should accommodate her every time something is a little bit hard or scary for her. She's an incredibly shy and sensitive child, so I believe the reason she's crying is more related to me not holding her more than the actual water itself because she's fine when it's me and her in the water.
2: I know you're going to go on a big tangent because you're <laughs> pro swimming, you know. you am a crazy your life swimming lady straighter. person. <laughs> Look, I can really relate to this. We are halfway through our first term of swimming. Are and you? Yep, Wednesday mornings, and it is the worst part of Alexander and mine week. He, yep. koala bears around my neck for half an hour, screams, cries, Are and you in begs. the water? Yep, I'm in the water. Okay. With Please, mummy, no. Daddy, go. He wants to go to daddy. Uh-huh. Hates it. Hates it far more than any other toddler in the class and yeah. it breaks my heart. He's so distressed. He's so exhausted afterwards. But our apartment complex has a pool. Yeah. I'm not taking him for fun. I'm taking him so he doesn't die. Yes. Um, I'll let you take over, Teague. One tip we were given that has been working is to gossip about him within earshot positively. So when he's playing, I will say to Richard, Alexander was so brave in the pool today. He, I, he yeah, let I me dunk that. him. And you'll see him perk up oh. and go oh they're talking about it. we use it for all sorts of things so we are given it as positive reinforcement so yeah. you kind of gossip about them in earshot yeah um and it helps with swimming and he jumped off the side of the pool into my arms yeah. and, he, and and how
0: about when you were swimming not in swimming lessons noosa
2: friends pools our pool loves it yeah he just so it's hates the lesson the environment it's yeah. the environment i think it's the dunking and the and i think it, you know the first class traumatized him and so as soon as we get to that location yeah. he knows he tries to run across the road
0: i get it i totally totally get it if you're a listener of tgm you know that i'm I do the crazy swimming survival courses that is every day for 10 minutes for eight weeks. So look, I hate to put it bluntly because, of course, as a mum, like the worst sound in the world is your baby crying or in distress, so I get that, but swimming lessons are not for fun. That's the way I really think of it. I did a collaboration with a pool fence company recently and it was just so interesting because one in three pool owners will experience a near-drowning or a drowning experience with children under five in their pool, one in three. So the stats are there. You can't say, oh, uh," you know, It it probably won't happen, but maybe I should because there's a one in three chance that it will happen. So for me, as uncomfortable and distressing as it is, the thing about drowning is it usually happens when you're not there. Mm. So what you want your kids to have is the skills and the knowledge to know what to do when you're not there, when you can't see them, when they are distressed in water. So teaching them the swim survival techniques is more important, I'm sorry, than Kisses and cuddles and happiness and rainbows and unicorns. Agreed. In this case, I'm so sorry. I sound like the tough love mum here. No, but, but I'm
2: the same. I'm persevering. I dread it exactly. when we wake up on Wednesday morning. I say, "Oh, we're going to swimming, buddy." No. No, yeah. mommy, And no. you know
0: what? It's like daycare. Like it will become yes. their new norm. Like the first few drop-offs are hard. The first few times without you in the water with her are going to be really tough for yeah. you and her. But eventually she'll forget that you were ever in the water with her yeah. and it will be the new norm. So you're doing a great job. I know it's hard, but stick with it, please.
2: I agree. And guys, be like Chantelle. She actually asked for our advice and I thought we did okay this <laughs> We week. actually sounded
0: a little bit like <laughs> experts today.
2: <laughs> please send us your questions. You can email them to TGM at mama or you can leave us a parenting dilemma on the pod phone by calling 899 9386. And don't forget the Mamma Mia Parents Facebook group is where you can get amongst all the action. Just a little heads up that this next conversation mentions some adult topics and discusses consent. So if these topics affect you or bring up anything for you, please skip to the next conversation and you can always call 1-800-RESPECT. In shaping equal future for our girls, we need our boys to be part of the movement. And I think Gloria Steinem summed it up pretty perfectly back in 2015. I'm glad we've begun to raise our daughters more like our sons, but it will never work unless we raise our sons more like our daughters. I have not heard that. Mm, I love that. That's fantastic. So joining us today is Mia Friedman. You might have heard of her. She's my boss. (laughs) And she's the co-founder and chief creative officer of Mamma Mia!. Mia has three kids, one daughter and two sons and has spoken about this before countless times. So today we wanted to know what she has done to ensure she is raising feminist sons from a young age and how she has negotiated this world that so often leaves boys out of the very important conversation. Mia, so wonderful to have you on the show. Hello. Welcome to your show. Hello. Mia, first up. For those who don't know, who are you? How many kids do you have, and how, how old are they?
1: I am the co-founder of Mama Mia, and I have three kids. I have my eldest son is twenty three, uh, Luca, and then I have a daughter who's fifteen, and I have a son Remy who's twelve. So. I am so much in the thick of this conversation. Mm. It's not funny.
0: And for those who don't know, what is a feminist and why is it so important for everyone to be one?
1: Oh, well, a feminist, it's really simple. A feminist just believes that men and women deserve the same rights, like the same financial rights, the same rights at work, the same rights over their body. Yeah, as men. So it's really simple. It doesn't matter who you vote for or what you believe in. If you think that men and women and boys and girls deserve the same basic right, then you're a feminist.
2: Love Mm. that. That's so simple. So when you had Luca all those years ago, was raising him to be a good man and a feminist something that you were thinking about from day one?
1: Yeah, it was. You know, it's funny. I guess I was raised as a feminist, but I don't even think that word was used. It was just sort of like like a fish. It was the water I swam in, you know. So for my son, I knew that was going to be the same, but I realized that when he got to a a certain age and started mixing with girls more, he went to a co primary school, but then he went to a single sex high school. And so then I sort of stepped it up.
2: Why did you feel the need to do that if he was at a single sex school? Do you think because they're not boys in single sex schools aren't interacting with women that that can create a different outcome?
1: Look, I think as a, as a mother of a daughter and a son, uh, two sons, so much is talked about girls, what to do to avoid sexual assault, and so much is discussed about what girls wear and do they drink, and all these things about the dangers to girls. But there needs to be the same amount of emphasis put on what do we do. Tell our sons, like, what do we tell our daughters about safety, but what do we tell our sons about responsibility? And at the same time, what is different to this generation when we were growing up is that their ideas about sex are going to be shaped by porn, whereas ours weren't. Mm, Ours were shaped by sort of fumbling in the park and talking to our friends. And maybe a really awkward conversation we've had at school or with our parents.
0: It's so interesting because even with my kids, I know that with my twin girls who are three, I'm always talking like, now no one's ever allowed to touch you. or and like, But I haven't even thought about doing that with my son yet. So mm-hmm. it's like that protective nature over my daughters, but not for my son. And yes. it's almost like you've got to teach them the same protective nature towards our girls. Absolutely. You Absolutely. Know? How can we go about this?
1: Look, I find that being in the car is a really good thing because they're trapped <laughs> and they have to listen <laughs> to what you're saying. So <laughs> even though at times my son has threatened to struggle himself out of the moving vehicle <laughs> just get away from me and my, my conversation, I genuinely find it is good because they don't have to look at you, but you can have conversations. Mm. So, you know, from a really young age, even things as basic as it make them really comfortable. You know, my, my aim was that my son would be able to go to the chemistry and buy me tampons if it was required or go to the fish market and get, pick up some tampons. That's a little thing, but it's about not seeing girls as other, particularly if your son doesn't have a sister. You will be a really important role model to him about how to treat women. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be mindful if, if you're, a, have a male partner, uh, how your son and your daughters see you and him interacting. Mm. That's really important. And then also I would be really explicit. Like when it, it, way before he started drinking, well, he knows when he started drinking, way before I thought he was going to start <laughs> drinking, I said to him, I would drill into him, you want to be the one that holds the girl's hair back when she's drunk mm. and throwing up, not the one who's trying to pull her pants down.
2: Yeah, yeah. that's amazing.
1: You know, that kind of image... You want to be the one that makes sure she's safe and is okay and gets home, not the one that's taking advantage of her. And I would just pretty much chant that to the boys when they would come over before they would go out or when I was driving them home from soccer practice. And, you know, they would roll their eyes and they would laugh, but you would hope that some of it would come in. And I think that it's not just enough to tell them what not to do, but also to tell them what to do. Mm, So it's like if you see a girl who's out of it, she don't even try to approach her. She cannot accept to keep her safe because mm. I think that when alcohol comes into it, it can get really blurry for boys and girls to navigate consent Yeah, because it's not just no means no. Sometimes saying nothing means no. Mm. I also showed, and now, of course, I'm doing it again with my son who's 12, who's just loving having <laughs> conversations about consent at the dinner table, but it's crucial and so I showed him the tea video. You know, that
2: tea is like consent. Yes, mm. that's
1: fantastic. I don't we'll know Pop if that you,
2: in the show notes. It's brilliant. Can you explain it?
1: You can't be too early to watch that because it's not sexually explicit. There's a tiny bit of swearing at the beginning, but then it compares consent to drinking a cup of tea. And it is just, it's with stick figure animation and it's sort of funny and it's simple. And it's something that I think. Yeah, I I found that a really helpful
2: tool. You posted on your Instagram last week in response to the alleged Parliament House sexual assault and the conversation of teaching consent, which we've just talked about, that's happening throughout Australia. And you said, and we're wondering, are men and boys having these conversations because we can't fix this problem? We need men and boys to stand up and stand beside us because this is not a woman's issue and we shouldn't have to bear the burden of addressing it alone. So this is obviously a huge issue we've just touched on. This is little kids that we're talking about here. Tegan and I both have kids under five. How do you think we go about instilling this issue, I guess, of consent and of our own bodies and of, you know, the right to say no and all of that from such a young age without, I guess, you know, going into an adult conversation, if that makes sense?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that the most important thing to do and something that shocked me is questioning, realising how many attitudes I'd internalised. So when my daughter was younger, she um, has gone to a girls' school all her life. So she went to a, a some kind of holiday camp and there was a boy who kept coming over to her and like hitting her or putting his hands around her throat or something like that. And you know what I said to her when she came home and told me about that? I said, when boys do that, it often means that they like you. Mm. And then I was like, oh my God, what did I just say? Yep. And I'm like, And it's not the first time I've said that. And I really had to, because that's what I, you know, oh, if a boy comes and kicks you in the shins, it means that he probably likes you. Mm -hmm. What does that tell a girl, a little girl, about um, her bodily autonomy, about consent, about being mistreated, about confusing love with violence? Yeah. You know, so I I think just a lot of the things you internalise, even, Tegan, you were saying, I talk to my daughters all the time about, you know, don't let anyone touch you if you don't want to. But I don't talk to my son. Yeah. It's like we need to we need to think about the kind of things that just come out of our mouths automatically. I yeah. think that's probably the first thing when you keep them
0: little. And that was actually my next question. Do we need to watch our language? And I think as well, the way we direct towards our girls, but dismissing boys' behavior like boys will be boys or things like that. Mm. Like boys Boys will be boys is 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 not justifying boys
2: to be brave or yeah, not boys cry, don't cry or things like this.
0: Our whole I feel like our whole dialogue towards boys and about bo- and men needs to change, need to shift along with this movement.
1: A hundred percent. And the other scary thing to know is that the average age that boys are exposed to porn is eight. Wow. wow. God. So you might think that. You know, it's probably going to happen a lot earlier than you know, a lot earlier than you realize. And it's so important. I mean, no kid wants to have a conversation about sex or porn with their parents, but it's so important that these messages don't just come from their mums. And if there's not a dad in their life, hopefully there's an uncle, a godfather, a grandfather. And they're not easy conversations, but they're so important to have about the fact that, you know, porn isn't real sex and... You know, all the the things about consent and about how you treat girls and how you treat other boys. It's not just that you treat girls in a particular way. It's how you treat
2: people. Mm. Yeah. That was actually my next question because I, Mia, have met all your three children, two of them uh, I know quite well, and they are beautifully well-adjusted, very respectful kids. And so you are obviously their mother, but you have a husband, Jason. How important was he having a male role model for your kids turning out so well-adjusted? Oh, that's so
1: lovely of you to say. Look, I think it was really important. I think that they, the behaviour that he, they see him model in our relationship, uh, the way that he's always talked to both our kids about their feelings, um, none of the sort of machismo in, I don't mean you can't wrestle or play sport with a boy or a girl if they want to, but allowing boys and girls to have the full se- spectrum of feelings mm. and encouraging that. I think that that's so important. And for girls, you know, I I always remember that line about girls get their self-confidence from their mothers, but their self-esteem from their fathers. Mm. And so the conversations girls have with their fathers and and the way their fathers treat them is so important in them also feeling confident enough to say no. when the time comes if they're not comfortable in a situation. yeah,
0: It's almost like we need to get uncomfortable to find comfort. Like we need to have those uncomfortable conversations. We need even as parents, you know, things we might not necessarily want to go with our kids or things that they might not necessarily want to hear from us but to reach this point we need to get uncomfortable to find that comfort amongst them as well.
1: That's so true and even if it seems like they're not listening, if you just drill it into them, if you just kind of Lock them in the it car. A
0: lot. <laughs> yeah. We'll see the
2: all these mums it driving is. around
0: aimlessly soon.
2: Maybe we could make a consent <laughs> podcast episode and you just lock your kids in the car and they have Play to this. listen to it. <laughs> I remember one day driving
1: my son to school and he was trying to study for a French exam and there was something going on in the US that I was trying to wind back. You know, abortion rights. And I was saying to him, you know, abortion is not just an issue for women because it takes two people to make a baby. And if abortion isn't available and you get a girl pregnant, which you will one day probably by accident because that's what happens. And he's like, Mum, I'm going to jump out of the car. I need to study for French. Oh,
2: well, you're a fantastic role model for your kids and all of us. Mia, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thanks, guys. What the? What the? What the? the Parenting? WTF, Tegan, please.
0: Yes. So (laughs) I had a moment, you know when like you see yourself from... Like above? Yeah, pretty much like an angel view. Yeah. Of you in a moment where you're like, how did it get to this... (laughs) So as we all know, Samara's always constipated. I'm birthing poos on the regular. But like because she's always constipated, she's scared of the toilet now. Like So she'll try and hold her poos in. So I'm so sorry for when you're 18, Samara, and everyone knows this, by the way. But the other day I was trying to convince her to go to the toilet. I know she needed to poo, so I'm like, come on. Like, And then I found myself. The stories I was saying, I really had an out-of-body experience because I was – trying to reason with her that the reason she needed to go to the toilet and do her poo is because the fishies are waiting for dinner and they eat poo for dinner. Oh, I quite like that. And so now every day she's very concerned if the fishies have had dinner oh. and I'm like, what have I started? What, what if have she I doesn't started?
2: legitimately have a poo ready to go oh, and Oh, well, fish hopefully started. she'll just
0: well it out so it doesn't get <laughs> stuck in there. But that was just my moment. I'm like, WTF? Like, where did I even come up with that? And why? I think that's creative. Is she on any supplements? Yeah, we've just tried a new one that. and now she's starting to shit us off at daycare, but that's for <laughs> a whole other day. <laughs> Try and find the right balance of how to get your <gasps> oh children God, I feel stools like, at a great texture. I feel like that's just parenting I, in yeah, a nutshell. Like trying to life, find the balance. Your life just, no, the balance of crap. <laughs> that's it.
2: Oh my God. Poo fishies. I love it. Fishy you, poof, lunch, dinner.
0: Exactly.
2: Well, mine's a little sad. Oh. Um, my, I, my first little mum heartbreak. So oh. I've got some friends at daycare, like the parents obviously, yeah. and I got a message from one of the parents that's saying, oh, my God, <gasps> did you check Alexander's bag? There's a birthday party invite. And I was like, oh, his bag's in his room and he's asleep. I'll check when he wakes up the next morning. He didn't get invited to one of the parties. So, look, logically I'm putting it down. To Are you p- sure? Yep, there was no invite in the bag. And then one of the other mums was like, look, say to the educators, hey, guys, because they would have been the ones putting them in the bag, did you miss bag. But then of course I can't say that because what if they're like, no, your son just (laughs) wasn't invited. So the logical part of me is like COVID, you can only have a few kids slash if you say to an almost two year old, who do you want at your party? They just say three names, you know. Yeah. But in my head, everyone's been invited except Alexander. And I Want to go to a party? I don't know these people anyway. But I was just like, "Oh, how to...
0: awkward if they did just not put it in your bag." <laughs> I know, and I just ignored them.
2: But I, you know, I responded and you're to, like, you know, "I don't want to go." My mum, well, anyway. who wants to go to a stranger's party? Like oh, Alexander doesn't parties. know he's
0: missing out yet.
2: Yeah, exactly. If he was three and he was like, "Everyone's going to someone's party,"
0: but it's a good time in his life to not I be invited. Know, but my
2: little heart was like, oh, "I
0: know." No,
2: he's not invited, and I, and the other mum was like, "Oh, it's okay. Like,
0: don't worry." <laughs> I was like. She's like, wow! I really put my foot in that. Yeah, and Good it's one. gonna
2: happen, obviously, a lot more. But I was like, it's okay. Like, it was more like me dealing you. with it. He I had no idea the whole scenario ever happened. But
0: it's like when you when you're at parks and you watch your kids interact with other kids, and it's like, oh, don't be mean. Or, like, yes, and don't sometimes there's a little like, oh. altercation, and you're like, oh, he's just like, especially yeah. when there's bigger boys. Yes. Because
2: Alexander loves big boys. He stares at them, and they might take his car and stuff, and he just looks at me and he's like, what yeah. do I do? And I'm
0: like, <laughs> you got this, bud. You can do it. <laughs> oh well, hopefully. It's like. just lost in transit the yeah. whatever. That kid's Lord. not invited to my party. I know, sure. but you know what? <laughs>
2: Guys, please subscribe wherever you get your pods. We want you to keep listening to us and we would love to hear your WTFs, your dilemmas, what you think of the show, who you would like us to interview. You can tell us all of that feedback by emailing tgm at mamamia.com.au or you can leave us a dilemma in the parenting Facebook group or on the pod phone 028999386.
0: Oh, my gosh. isn't like one of those automated government advertising. (laughs)
2: Always read the label. This glorious message is brought to you by Mamma Mia and this episode is produced by Michaela Floriano. I'll say this one better. Happy International Women's Day and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye -bye. Bye -bye Bye-bye. Bye-bye. (laughs) Bye-bye. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation.